0: This is good if we start earlier we can like keep our guest talk time down to like 45 minutes or something
1: like that. yeah right that never happens, that never happens. <laughs> no i'm a low-key a little nervous about today because like,
0: really? be wrong. I feel like
1: kind of have known every guest that's been on but this is the first guest that i like have no clue anything about other than the one thing you've told me
0: that's so, not true we didn't we didn't know Barb.
1: Okay, that's true. We but didn't like, know who'd, well, did who, well, who did Barbara research on Barb before she came on. And since this is your guess, I totally didn't do any
0: research. Well, see the, po- the podcast for me is the research uh, is, is the learning experience. Um, yeah. no, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy.
1: Yeah. So how do you know him again?
0: We met at the Belmont. Um, and he's actually there one of Ellie's old friends. And okay. he is a theater guy. He's in, He has a nice voice. He has a nice, like, deep, rich voice. Ooh. Um, yeah.
1: Good for podcasts.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. I'm excited. Uh, should be good. I don't know. I don't have anything, like, prepared, but he's... I texted him this morning. I was like, we still good? He goes, yeah. I was cool. Like, cool. I thought we were going to have to, like, push this podcast back because our water pressure has been fucky the last week and our landlord's coming today to, like, look at some things. So, but... Hopefully, we have not we ha- while we're we <laughs> Yeah, we haven't texted him or anything. We told he said, Text me on Monday when you're ready. And I'm like, okay. So we just haven't texted him yet. Cool. I was like, I'm pretty sure we're getting on at like eleven or something like that. So we have we got some time.
1: Yeah. Oh man.
0: We've been watching uh history channels like it's called Ancient Top Ten and it's just like these history these historians like mm-hmm. rank... Like they put like each episode as a category. It's like um, top 10 dictators of antiquity, top 10 engineering feats, It's top 10 civil, law. you know, like it's, it's pretty fun. Cool. Yeah. Antiquity Stuff like
1: That interests you.
0: I, do I don't like know I, why I, I think, like history.
1: I think it's important to learn about history and see where you've come and everything, blah, blah. blah. But like, ugh, I don't know. I just have never been able to connect with history.
0: That's funny because like you were like really, really were like religious, like growing up and everything, and that's like history, kind of. Isn't it?
1: I love when you say I was really religious growing up. I think what you, you mean st- is I attended church a lot.
0: <laughs> Whatever. I always remember you. You remember you had like that Bible case that was a crossword.
1: Yeah, I and still like
0: have you, that. yeah, and but you would like do it in Someone highlighter, gave and then that to me. Well, regardless, you carried your Bible with you okay but i also
1: think what's interesting about it is and i'm not going to say that my experience in the methodist church was bad or anything it was great it was a great community but like a lot of it i think had to do with like the sense of community and feeling like i was a part of something not necessarily the religious aspect of it you know what i mean like when you say oh you're really religious growing up like i really wasn't I just went to church because all my friends did Mm -hmm. and like my family did and it felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing. Like in eighth grade in First United Methodist Church in Valley, I don't know if they still do it, but you know, you go through this confirmation process where you like confirm that you're gonna. I was in eighth grade. That didn't mean the deeper meaning behind that. I don't think I really fully understood then. All I knew was that everyone else in the youth group was doing it so i needed to do it because you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah like
1: it was very much like a social kind of not social pressure but everyone else was doing it so i was gonna be you know left out and
0: it was like the cool thing to do
1: yeah because like our whole community oh you haven't whole,
0: confirmed yet what oh you haven't yeah. confirmed yet? <laughs> that's done you should confirm
1: and it's just that's like
0: pressure.
1: it's like everything like that was oh, what are you guys doing Friday? Oh, we're going to the church, you know, lock-in. Okay, I'm going to do that, you know, like all my friends were doing it. So while, yeah, I was religious and I went to church, it was a lot more about just like being, being with my friends. And, you know, I think a lot of the time, my mom was really happy to like send us off to church too. So she like could get some time at home by herself. Like we never, I hardly ever missed a Wednesday night meeting, but like that was a night they fed, they fed us meals. So my mom didn't have to worry about cooking any of us dinner because we all went to church and we all got a meal. And then we were, you know, entertained for a couple hours before she had to like come get us. And mom was really involved in the church for a long time growing up, but at a certain point she kind of stepped away. And so she did get that time at home that she wanted by herself. So church was a lot more than just being like religious is what I'm saying.
0: (laughs) I like history. so Okay. (laughs) I I think it's cool because. That's where we started. I think it's cool to see like the ancient Roman aqueducts are still standing.
2: Like Mm -hmm. I'm like,
0: that's fucking crazy. Like it, it puts into perspective, like how long has the United States been a country? Like 250 years, let's say ish, 246 years. Yeah. 247 years. I don't know. That's crazy to me because, like, the Roman Empire, like, was, a, you know, a thing for 2,000 years or some shit like that, you know? And, like, the world's biggest, the light, the world's biggest, the lighthouse, biggest lighthouse that's ever been built was built in antiquity before, like, you know, pre-Middle Ages. And huh. Huh? it stood for 1,500 years. It stood for 1,500 years and an earthquake finally brought it down. And you can still scuba dive with, like, the stones that were part of the, the lighthouse. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy to me that like there's these like feats of engineering that like humankind thought of thousands and thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. That's wild. It just, it it's sort of just, it's a fascination with the incomprehensible on my part because I was like, I can't put that, in, I can't. Yeah. I don't know, and it's crazy.
1: But do
0: you also think, I don't want
1: to be your devil's advocate here or anything, this is obviously, what do I know? But do you also think that there's like, no one really knows? Like they just kind of make the history up because like they talk about the pyramids, you know?
0: Yeah. When humans
1: discovered pyramids. Have we talked about this on the podcast before?
0: Maybe, but I get what you're saying. Like, how can we, how can we know for sure? if like so Well, it's much like they of-
1: discovered the pyramids and someone was just like, oh, well, this was probably like where they buried people. This is probably like, Someone's tomb, and someone just made that up. Like, there was no Whoa. evidence to any of that.
0: Well, that's not true at all. Um, what do you mean? Well, people went under and inside the pyramids and found burial chambers and bodies. That's how they were like, I guess people buried people here because yeah, they found bodies in like, burial chambers. We discovered it, like, we excavated stuff, like the Sphinx, too. Like, there was is that true? It is true. check like, facts now. <laughs> and I've been. A history Just professor for like two years now. you watch the
1: history channel. That's what I'm saying is like, whoever discovers these things kind of gets to set the story. You know what I'm saying?
0: It's not made up though. There's scientific evidence based from it. Like on the Sphinx, like when it was excavated, like when it was discovered and then um, they dug it out, the whole body of it. And then at the bottom of it, they found like evidence of rain uh, erosion, erosion from rain, which- told like it reshaped his story like you're right it is all theory because you can't like prove it how can you go back and ask someone but like it's pretty it's pretty set in stone well that's not true i shouldn't say that either because we have ideas we have strong theories based on the evidence we have exposed to us and then they'll look at the sphinx that was like dug out later after these everything's been theorized and see that like oh shit there's actually like evidence of water decay from rain on the bottom of the sphinx which tells us that this land that the egypt that the egyptian empire was built on wasn't always a vast desert.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. I totally get that we can go into a place and based off certain things make assumptions, but that's It's just circumstantial all they are. it's
0: circumstantial evidence. You can't prove anything. I mean,
1: Cuz there's a lot of people that don't believe that the pyramids were just Don't get me wrong. Sure. Toss a body in there. It can be a tomb, but like they don't believe that it was just a tomb and it's like ever since they discovered them and decided that that's where, you know, the pharaohs were going to be placed and that's kind of the story they've always stuck to. Like, there's so much more that could be. And you're right. It uh, We are I mean, both kind of on the same page in the fact that, yeah, it's all just kind of theories. We've,
0: the we've I mean, the Rosetta Stone, that's like kind of we've discovered the Rosetta Stone. And then that led us to be able to actually read the writings from that time. That actually mm-hmm. tells us the stories of, oh, it actually did take six complete generations to build the pyramids. And what they were used for, you know? like it's, That,
1: first of all. <laughs> six generations can you imagine six that?
0: generations like one guy was like i'm going to start building the biggest pyramids of all time
1: and, and his his great great great-grandkids would have finished it is that six like generations
0: that. i don't know <laughs> well oh.
1: that's the other thing is like a lot of people don't think that they could have done that back then right. without some kind of crazy technology
0: that well, we that's have an- no
1: idea about another you know? thing
0: i'm learning about like they are really like some of the greatest like even like today like the roman aqueducts that were built mm-hmm. like they have evidence of like monumental cra- like wooden cranes and pulley systems that they use like they've they've unearthed these you know fossilized pieces of material that were used for these cranes and everything like that mm-hmm. you know and it's fucking wild to me That even on today's standards, like the precision that they have, that they use to build like the aqueducts, like over, like the aqueducts varied in level, you know, it just needs to like gravity works in in amazing ways as well. You just need a very slight decline for water to be able to traverse a certain extent of miles. Right. And for like the 30 miles that the aqueducts spanned, there is. For what was it? God damn it! I am quoting this, and it's probably not super exact, but (laughs) something like every like three thousand feet in length, there was one foot, a single foot gradient difference, a decline, Mm. and that's really, really fucking precise. And that, and especially spanning a span of thirty miles, like even by today's standards, across the. landscape that they traverse to build these things like it'd be a monumental undertaking to do Mm -hmm. it's fucking crazy to me like we're so smart we are so fucking smart like people back then weren't fucking stupid like we're talking thousand like just a two thousand years ago but like how how long did the human brain get to evolve before that like we're like back then we were still the most intelligent species to ever hit planet earth you know yeah and, like, constantly be, oh, I'm logging in. Zoom just decided to give me a little bit of trouble, says Philip, our guest oh, okay. today, everyone. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, we'll see what he has to say. I'm sure he's, like, nah, humans That's are What's so smart. funny is, like, brought, awesome. you
1: brought up the history channel, and, like, no one is, like, it's probably not related to, like, our guest at all.
0: Not at all. No, 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 <laughs> no, no It's
1: no. a bad thing.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know, the, theater, the, uh, we'll kind of get the, Hello.
1: Well, really? there's a history in theater. I'm sure.
0: We'll see what he like. Has how to say far about
1: back? It. When was when was Shakespeare's era? Oh, uh,
0: hello. Hello. Hey,
2: how's it going,
0: Philip? Welcome. Thank you. Before we let's, how do you feel? How's everything sounded on your end? Feeling good?
2: Uh, everything sounds good for me.
0: What's behind you? You have like blankets up.
2: Yeah, this is. I I haven't gotten to use it before, but I have the, uh, like sound. I, I'm like sound preparing proofing. myself. I, I am preparing myself to have soundproof everything, so I can uh, try and do some voice acting stuff.
0: Oh, cool! <gasps> I was yeah. telling before That's you exciting. jumped on, I was like, Philip's got a good voice. He's got a good like deep, rich voice. He's gonna be good for us for sure.
1: Do you think you're gonna do like audio books or
2: something? Yeah, I mean some of that or just any uh I have no idea about uh you know anime or video games or any kind of that stuff. But
1: how does like how do you how do you even get into that? Like where if you're like, Oh, I want to get into voice acting, like that's great you just Google that That's <laughs> a
0: great first question. That's a great first question. Let's hold off for a second here. Let's get oh, some fine. let's get yeah, let's I love the excitement. <laughs> let's keep up the energy. Let's keep sure. it up. But uh, we have a guest today here, folks, with us. Philip Hansen. Is it right? That ha- Philip Hansen. Correct. Yep. All right, cool. Welcome. I know Philip from the Belmont. Um, he's also an old friend of my girlfriend Ellie, and he's just a really cool guy. He'll rock any pair of pants that he puts on, in my own opinion. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has that opinion. I can promise you that. Um
1: You mean literally like actual pants or like rolls he sits
0: in? No, he wears pants well.
1: Oh. I appreciate okay. it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's got like, yeah, he's got a good like set of legs on him. Oh, for sure. okay. For <laughs> Did sure. Did
1: expect to get your legs complimented?
2: <laughs> I, I can't say it was the first thing that I was expecting, um, but I'm he, never going to complain.
0: He expects to hear it. I know he does. Um, <laughs> but welcome. And he is more more than anything else. I think he is a local thespian here in Wichita. Ooh. And yeah, I'm excited to hear his story. So welcome to the podcast, Philip Hansen.
2: Thank you. I'm excited,
1: excited. to be on. Yeah, hopefully I'm, you'll
0: teach us a couple things.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited because I um normally have some idea of kind of who the guest is and whatever. This is kind. Of, you're kind of the first guest that I have literally. I'm Brianna, by the way.
2: very <laughs> nice to meet you.
1: Um and yeah, so you're I'm 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 a little sweaty. I'm a little nervous. I don't know. It's why. like the
0: tables have turned because usually I'm on your like I'm the yeah, one and in I don't know possession. how you're
1: not sweaty and nervous all the time.
0: Just be cool, dude. Jeez, you're making, you're stressing me out. (laughs) All right.
1: Anyways, well, Philip, tell us uh, about yourself. So, you guys met at the Belmont like, what, how long ago? When did you start working at the Belmont?
2: Shoot, it's been around a year and a half, I think, uh, since I started. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably started
0: close to the same time. I think I was there a a little bit before you.
2: Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, So, my connection there was Ellie, actually. Ellie and I had Mm -hmm. worked at a previous restaurant job together. Um, and I wanted to get out and so was looking for another option and kind of swung over that way. Um, I yeah, moved to Wichita a couple of years ago, uh, to go to school here, uh, for musical theater. Oh, you're not uh, from
1: Wichita. Where are you from?
2: I'm not, I'm from the Kansas city area. So oh, I grew up okay. in a okay. So but... still
1: like a Kansan. Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't go too far. Um, and yeah, ended up in Wichita and just, uh, still where we're, where we're kicking it for now.
1: So what, uh, you said go to school, what school?
2: I went to Wichita State University, um, got in through there. I uh, didn't do a whole lot of looking around for different colleges um, because I actually briefly actually considered dropping uh, doing acting at all. I had this like weird crisis my senior year of high school where I was like, ah, acting, it's so unviable. (laughs) I need to get a business degree so that I can have a steady job. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and so ended up in Wichita, I have family here, uh, and it was close and I did a campus visit and really liked what I saw. Um, so I kind of picked up from there.
0: That's funny you say that because we've had a, co- like a slight conversation and this Philip being a guest has been on the books or in the works, you could say for, I mean, at least a good couple of few months at this point. Yeah. Like, and it kind of, we, we podcast for, you know, once a week, four times a month and only two of those times do we have a guest on so i mean they can get like i'm talking to uh chef right chef julian now about coming on but like he that's not going to be till like the mid-july or something like that it seems like a forever ways away but we have briefly talked a little bit about and we had to have we've had conversations and we tell ourselves like let's hold it off let's hold off going any further at this conversation for the podcast (laughs) and now here we are so we can actually like explore some things and it's funny you said you had this like life crisis senior of high school because you've told me particularly like you you don't necessarily like musical theater you like performing
2: yeah it's uh it's a weird it's a weird thing that I've run into a couple times with other performers I always feel like I'm like crawling out of a little hole and like saying something and I'm really afraid that I'm gonna get lit on fire for it um (laughs) but I've had this conversation with several people I, I don't particularly love watching musicals. I think they're a wonderful form of art for a lot of different people. They just don't quite tickle whatever I am trying to get a lot of the time. My favorite part about watching musicals is watching how it all comes together, you know, having the information on um, what a rehearsal process is like and um, trying to kind of break down maybe why people are making certain acting choices that they do or the way they choose to sing a song that might be different from what you might normally expect uh, in order to kind of Get across whatever they're trying to say uh in a different way um mm-hmm. and watching the technical elements and the costume design and everything I, I really like trying to go in and be as objective about it as i can um that is a really fun part for me getting to go in and not necessarily be there for a story as much as i am to see how a production comes together uh mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of fun with that aspect
1: so I guess I'm confused. So you went to Wichita State. Did you perform in any shows at Wichita State when you were there? Are you still at Wichita State?
2: Uh, So I graduated in 2021. uh, So that was a weird period of time toward the end there. Um, I ended up taking a semester off uh, after COVID happened because I'm a performing (laughs) uh, major uh, and didn't want to do that through a whole bunch of screens.
1: I didn't even think about that. How awful. Yeah, but,
2: but I was in uh, a couple productions there. I was lucky to be enough in a show called I Love You Because my freshman year. That was a student directed show. Uh, I got to meet a lot of good friends through that process. Uh, my second year, I was in a couple shows. And then I was in Anything Goes was the last show that I did before COVID shut everything down. Um, and then by the time I got back, they weren't really doing main stage shows. Um, because there were still restrictions in place um and so then I was kind of looking this is right at the end of 2021 a lot of theaters in Wichita started to kind of open back up as much as they could um uh, so it was trying to kind of get into there and see what I could do uh as far as performing locally outside of college
1: oh man what is that process like so I had friends I don't know Garrett if you ever talked to like Nick or Steven or Christy about performing in, they used to, when we were in high school, perform in like the children's theater, but it was like they would do like little black box theater stuff. Is it kind of similar to that? Or is it like a children's theater? Obviously you're probably doing like adult theater.
2: Well, actually, I've done a a mix of both. I don't know which one you're talking about specifically. I've done several shows with uh, Wichita Children's Theater uh, recently. okay. Um, They have this whole big, they do it every year. It's a touring production. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you will learn two shows and take them on the road all the way around Kansas and Nebraska. Um, And so it was just four of us, you know, load into a suburban um and have a big trailer following behind us that none of us had ever driven a trailer before. So we just kinda <laughs> got to learn that on the fly. Uh, and we would load sets in and out every day. Uh, like we'd go into like, sometimes it was high school theaters, but other times we would walk into an elementary school gym and set up um, oh, wow. and just have like little backdrops and stuff. Um, so I've done a couple things with them, and then yeah, there's several avenues around Wichita, which does a really nice place specifically for performing musical theater, because there are a lot of uh, professional theaters who will pay you to do so, <laughs> which is wonderful because that's that's the goal, right? Is to make the uh, the hobby the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've done stuff with Roxy's downtown. I've done stuff with the Crown uptown. I'm actually starting rehearsals. Uh, with Crown Arts Collaborative, which is the performing space that works out of there. Um, I'm going back into rehearsals for them for Dreamgirls next month. Uh, I've done stuff with Mosley Street Melodrama, which is wonderful. Um, that's a whole different kind of performing melodrama. Uh, in this specific instance, is about the first act is really campy and over the top and it doesn't take itself seriously at all. And I tell people when I'm in a show there that my job is to go out and look as dumb as I can. Uh, Which is a great experience. I just, I I, I don't ever want to let go of that kind of aspect. And then the second act is what's called an oleo. So you just kind of uh, break it down. There's, there can sometimes be like a loose interconnecting plot, but it's more just about like little sketches and songs and stuff that all kind of like fit a vibe. So the Mm -hmm. first one I did was all about space. And so I was wearing this like reflective uh, (laughs) silver jacket and pants set. And it was really cool sometimes when the light hit it a certain way, it would be all rainbowy on the sides. It was awesome. Oh my um, gosh. But we sang, like I sang Flying Purple People Eater and we did a whole bunch of like, we sang Rocket Band. Um, and it's just kind of a loose collection of, the, that's my favorite part. I love the melodrama a lot, but the oleo, you would just, just go out and uh, singing is what initially pulled me toward musical theater. And so I usually kind of just to go out and sing for an hour and that's a whole lot of fun
1: do you think singing pulls a lot of people into theater initially or like do you think it's something else because i feel like all my friends who went and did theater and whatnot yeah singing was what initially pulled them into it
2: yeah i just think that's what's the most accessible to people That that's my favorite thing about singing is uh i am a person who when i really like something i want to do it over and over and over and over again and i want to be the best at it and um singing is great because say you are a performer with a a typical instrument well if you want to practice that instrument you have to bring it with you or sit down and make time or take it out of the
0: case put it together it's expensive at times you 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 gotta get reads yeah
2: everyone has a voice though right And, and so you take away that whole process element and i i it's something that i can do um I find myself when I have downtime at work, ever since I started being in the workforce. If no one is around, I'm humming myself under my breath. I'm trying to work on breathing. I'm um, finding resonance where I couldn't before, trying desperately not to be too loud and have people be like, well, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's just a lot of fun. Um, I I, I have always loved singing. It's always something that's come naturally uh, to me. And so it was just an avenue where this is something that I already loved, and then a theater was opening up, um, and my mom pretty much was just like, hey, you want to go over and give this a shot? I, uh, I've i been too loud my whole life. I've been told that for a very long time. Um, and so I think for her, it was kind of a way to like, hey, this kid's got a lot of energy and a lot of stuff to say. Let's kind of throw him in. And let's focus it
1: see- to- towards something.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's put it to something maybe that's... Uh, Worth it, And I'm I'm very grateful for it. She actually talking about that whole breakdown my senior year, she's the one who sat me down. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's one of the few parents I know who sat their kid down and was like, no, try to be an actor because um, she just knew that I really liked it and that I didn't really have another plan. And so she just told me to uh, go ahead and follow what I knew I liked doing. And if I figured out something along the way, then that's great. But why throw it away just because I'm worried about what might happen in five years? And that's something that I've kind of tried to remember.
0: I think that that's definitely better. John Krasinski.
1: Have you guys heard John Krasinski? Yeah, I've I've like he- I
0: have heard that exact mm-hmm. same story. Yes, John I know exactly Krasinski what you're talking
1: about. He wanted to go out and be an actor, and his mom's like, "Yeah, go out, you know, do it for like, you know, at least do it for two years." She was like, "Try it for at least two years." And like three weeks before he landed The Office, he was like seconds from going He was like home. I'm done. And his mom was like no, just, just stick it out a little longer. You're not done with your 2 years or something like that. And uh then he landed <laughs> the office. So
0: yeah, like no, that
1: is cool that your mom was like that.
0: And his it's better because like that. a lot of parents especially, I mean, in this region, again, we say a lot in this region of the country, a little less progressive than other like coastal towns and everything who kind of cater to the arts. Um mm-hmm. like a lot of families are kind of the opposite. Like, Hey, you, you can't, this isn't a, like you said, it's not, it's not a viable source of income. You need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself financially. You'll have a livelihood and that drains people, man. Mm-hmm. That'll kill the human spirit right there. If you ask me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the biggest uh, lessons I think I've learned in my life so far. And I, I'm very glad that she gave me that advice for a multitude of reasons, but I've learned that I'm a person who doesn't like stability very much. I am totally down to, figure out what's going to happen in two weeks because I don't need to know before that. And sometimes I don't even need to know two weeks before. You're very um, present. And so, yeah. Just being willing to throw everything away because I was afraid of what might happen. I just try not to live by that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. My priority number one is always just let's make sure that I'm happy and that I'm treating people well. And as long as I have those two things, I think the rest is going to come.
0: God, what a guy. That. I knew this would be a good one. I knew it. I'm glad we stuck this out. Do
1: you think when your mom had that conversation with you, she was also real about, like, it's going to be a struggle? Like, did she talk about that kind of aspect of it too? Like, you you should pursue this thing, but don't, like, sit here and imagine that it's going to be easy.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm not that. actually really sure that's much of a conversation that we had, but that's because mm-hmm. she knows me and knows that that's, that's why I was having the problem in the first place. I was thinking about all of the bad things that could happen, Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I'm a worrier, but because I like to look at things from every angle before I make any big decision. And so I've had those conversations with myself a million times. And I think yeah. that she she has a really good, she's the one person who always has just had a really good beat on kind of where I'm at mentally. Um, and she's really good at letting me uh, answer my own questions as well, instead of kind of trying to tell me the way that she feels about it. She'll put her two cents in and then just kind of let me talk for a while until uh, I realize that, I through saying it all out loud to her um usually I kind of end up figuring out what is best moving forward it's
1: kind of like a therapist shout out mom mm-hmm. like That's awesome <laughs> it's
0: like she's like the number one nurturer you have in your life um <laughs> <laughs> What's kept you in Wichita? I mean, you said it's like there's a growing theater industry here, and which like, is
1: fascinating. I which didn't is awesome know that, like, you know, I'm from Wichita, born and raised, and I mean, I knew it was there, but I didn't know it was like worthy of people coming to
0: it, and especially coming from a town like of the Kansas City area, where I, I assume, know. where I assume it's just a kind of a bigger industry.
2: Yeah, no, more of a, more uh, of a prominent actually, industry. They're both great places to perform. I have a lot of people who. Did, did the exact opposite i did grew up in wichita went to wichita state and then moved up to kansas city form acting mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. um
1: which is what i would imagine <laughs> yeah.
2: sure yeah. And, and there's a whole lot of stuff like that um it, it's been a very strong industry here for a very long time I, I have worked alongside a lot of people who have been doing this since the 90s in wichita just kind of uh continuing on that path um not not something you'd expect right but um I talk about musical theater specifically. There are definitely straight acting opportunities here, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's just something about the clientele because right to keep a theater running, wow. I mean, that's that's a difficult thing. You have to find the right balance between being creatively fulfilled and making sure that you are paying the bills and your employees and that everyone is well taken care of. Um, That's one thing that I have noticed specifically since I came into the scene, just listening to people talk about the way things used to be compared to how they are now from what I understand, there's a much greater emphasis on everyone the cast through everyone being treated a lot better, um, because performing is a tough, tough, tough industry. Um, you tend to be put into boxes based on the way you look or the way your voice sounds, and it all matters because you're performing characters. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, if you're not believable in a character for whatever reason that they have in their head, it can be really difficult. Uh, It's been a thing people have uh, talked to me in the past about like, hey, have you ever thought about tattoos and stuff? And I'm like, well, maybe, but either if they're visible, I'm going to have to cover them up most of the time, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just a whole process. And then why do I have them in the first place? Or, you know, it's different things like that where truly if a director looks at you and they think you're perfect for the part, but like, uh, I'm not sure that I like the way that their hair falls that we either need to have them change that, oh or whatever. Like y- you um, lose some level of, uh, I I shouldn't say lose. Any physical appearance change that you make, you have to be conscious of the way that that is going to impact Flex. you in an audition. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't personally have anything wrong with that, but that's really tough for a lot of people, and I totally understand. It um, really
0: does seem like the people that you know. Want to get into that industry are very, you know, individualized and they, and they crave that, you know, but right. also it's, it's because of the industry that you kind of have to sacrifice that a little bit so you can make sure that you can play a wide array of characters.
2: Right. And I'm not beings. saying, yeah, Go sorry, ahead. I don't mean to interrupt. um I, I'm not saying that you, you can't have an individualized style or anything along those lines. There are many people who have that and continue to be very successful performers. I just, uh, I want to leave myself open to as big a box as possible. Um,
1: You know, it'd be type yeah.
2: Correct. And uh, as far as staying in Wichita goes, um, it's been great, but uh, COVID had a lot to do with it because anywhere I want to go to pursue acting where I'm not already established, because that's another big thing too, is while I'm here, um, I, I know a lot of people who run these theaters and stuff, which is great. Um, Not only because they're wonderful people, but because they know my name. (laughs) And um, if I come in for something, they may already have me in mind. Or sometimes you get a phone call. Um, My first opportunity I got at Mosley Street, I had a friend who was in a show there at the time, be like, hey, they need another guy. Do you want to come in? And so that's just kind of what happened. Um, (laughs) Yeah, which is crazy right
1: um it just reminds me of the it's all about who you know kind of thing it's all about those connections connections and those networks you know
2: specifically within theater scenes that is you're never going to get away from that and it's a tricky thing right because um obviously you deserve to be rewarded for the connections that you've made and the people that you've spoken to and any good work that you've done in the past that should stand with you uh but it can be very difficult sometimes uh to break in to a theater scene in a new town, you gotta be in the right place and be right for the role. And they can't already have decided who's gonna play it because that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can be an obstacle to overcome. Um, And so going and establishing myself somewhere else, I wanted it to be in a big place somewhere that I felt like maybe I can do this entirely for a living one day because it is part of my income right now. But obviously, I'm at the Belmont, and I'm taking... I was going
1: to ask if the Belmont was a means to an end. I think we all have those jobs, and people who are trying to pursue certain things have jobs that are a means to an end to pursue something else. Mm
2: -hmm. Sure. And I I think there's going to be that for a lot of people. I'm very lucky. I'm one of the, the rare few who actually really enjoy serving and is also a performer. Usually, you're absolutely correct. It's a means to an end. Um, serving jobs are great for flexibility and you can uh-huh. be like hey I'm going to be unavailable all these nights for an entire month but I can do a couple weekend shifts and that's okay um, but I I don't know I, 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 it's something about getting to see new people every day and having it be a different experience and there's always something I'm moving I'm not stationary I don't like to be stationary very much and you're presenting um, yourself correct yeah, uh, yeah that, like in an aspect or networking you are pre- you're per-
0: you're performing to to an extent to these people. I mean,
2: right. That's some of it, too. You everybody does it. Everyone talks about they have their customer service voice. We all <laughs> you know, that's part of the gig. That's part of you go up to a table and you're playing a heightened version of yourself in, in yeah. some way, shape or form. Um, and so it's there's some of that that's really nice. I'm also just um, I'm very competitive. And serving is something that I kind of look at and it's great. It's wonderful. But I always want to be doing it right. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. And then I can swing back by this table and they're waiting on this. I like that. I always have a checklist of like, It's like a game almost. (laughs) Right. Um, I've actually thought about it for a long time. I uh, play a lot of video games and I have this fast food jobs specifically. I've worked those in the past make for fantastic video games because there's a lot of small tasks that you can do very quickly and you're working with other people mm-hmm. um but yeah you're absolutely correct that normally uh s- serving would be a means to an end um but at the belmont specifically, it, that's nice yeah at the belmont specifically it's uh <laughs> i say a lot it's the first job i've ever had where i like most of my coworkers, which is really refreshing um and it's not against anyone i've ever worked with in the past it's just a very specific vibe um it's Garrett nice. has
1: nothing but high things to say about the Belmont. So it's obvious whatever they're doing there is working.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a very well-run establishment. And they just it, I have I've run into a lot of places in the past where particularly good to management. And I have an old manager from an old restaurant job that I refer to as Mr. Krabs because <laughs> just every everything was always about like maximizing Money. profit. And you could, <laughs> yeah. you could see in this person's eyes that any time they were considering like, ah, do we make cuts or whatever? Like they weren't looking around and seeing a bunch of people who were working. They were seeing dollar signs floating around everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I've never felt that way at all uh, at the Beaumont.
1: Well, I think it is interesting that, I mean, I shouldn't say jobs with a means to an end, but jobs where you're trying to pursue something outside of it, the flexibility aspect of it is huge. Just oh, totally. being able to like create your own schedule because you do have this thing you are trying to build outside of this job. It's not like you don't care about the job at the Belmont, but like the flexibility they give you to pursue this dream you have is essential. I think in pursuing that dream, you know, right. service well, industry is great.
2: Oh
0: yeah. It's just, uh, you don't, you can leave everything at the door. There's nothing going home with you at the end of the night. that's always what I said. Why I stuck with it for so long. It's like, I don't have to worry about it when I'm not there. Not that yeah. I didn't sometimes, but you know, like, No two nights are the same, and that's also refreshing. Mm
2: -hmm. Right, and you get to, uh, serving specifically, you know, a lot of jobs are pretty isolated from everyone else, even if you're in the same building. You're always talking to the other people on the floor, and the Belmont specifically is really, really huge on team service, and so making sure that other people are doing okay in their sections. Um, So that's a nice aspect. You just kind of get to have another group of people that you know and can talk to about things um and anytime there's downtime you know you're downstairs like doing all of your folds and you can just have a conversation for a little bit um folding linen, Brianna
1: I I I got that okay
2: Okay, sorry (laughs) and then uh yeah I don't know it's all nice and the flexibility is something you've got to be real with up front too every time I walk into another job interview which obviously it's been a while um but I have to make it clear like hey, I'm here and when I'm here, I'm going to be the best employee that I can be. However, this thing is gonna come first, any scheduling Mm -hmm. things that I need, like uh, if you say that you need two weeks uh, notice before I do anything, I will give you those two weeks, but it is going to take precedent. And there have been times, I mean, I was touring around Kansas for several months. I could not be in as much and they were very understanding of that. and mm-hmm. it's just something that you have to make very clear upfront.
1: Yeah. What do you think your favorite, to this day, production that you've been a part of has been? And what about it was your favorite part? Like what, what makes it stand out to you?
2: Yeah, that's another thing that's great about performing is that uh, every show is very different. You're working with an entirely mm. separate, different group of people. Um, you're working with different material. You're playing a different character. Uh, I get dunked on for this a lot in the theater community. One of my favorite shows of all time is Seussical the Musical. And it's because it's just nonsense and the music is really great. It's based on the works, uh, works of Dr. Seuss. Um, and I just think the music is wonderful. And it's it's not trying to be anything that it's not. It understands that you are here to be like, oh, look, it's the cat in the hat. Oh, look, it's Maisie LeBird, You know, like that mm-hmm. is exactly what it presents itself as. And it's so much fun to be in. I've done it twice. In high school, I played Horton the Elephant, which was a lot of fun. That was my first, like, main character lead role that I ever got to play. So that was very special to me. (laughs) Um, That was just a lot of fun. I I, I like Horton, too. He's just, he's this little guy who just always is looking out for people who can't look out for themselves. Um, He's wonderful. And then the second time... um, I did it in college and I was in the ensemble and I played, I believe, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was seven or eight different characters. And so I was just running around crazy the whole time, running off stage, changing clothes. Like we had one base set of clothes and we would do different accessories over the top to symbolize different characters, throwing off an old jacket, putting on a new one, um, I was a monkey, I was a fish, I was like a an army cadet, <laughs> and just so much frantic energy. That set was awesome too. Instead of having like a normal set, they built us like a jungle gym on stage with fire poles to go down and platforms of all different levels and scaffolding that you could climb on underneath. Um, it's like a jungle that gym, that sounds yeah, like that fun. that sounds fun. It was so <laughs> sick. Um, we had one rehearsal where we showed up and they were just like, okay, So this is the first time we've had this set. First half hour, just go up there and play. Like, just get acquainted with it, figure out what you can swing from, what you can do to make it more visually interesting. It was really cool to watch big ensemble numbers because there'd be a lot of people on the ground, but people would pop up on the different, uh, like, scaffolding levels and stuff. It was really, really cool.
0: But before you go play, everyone sign these waivers that say, you won't sue us for...
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's there's so. definitely some of that there um <laughs> not any paperwork but you, you you assume uh in theater there's always a risk of something like that just like anything else uh, our program director at the time linda starkey uh shout out wonderful shout out. Um, <laughs> um she is now retired but at the time was a couple of years before then. And we convinced her to go up to like the highest fireman pole and slide <laughs> down it. And that was like a whole, everyone gathered around <laughs> and was cheering. Uh, we had a Linda chant going. It, it was great. Um,
1: oh, that's so much fun. I have so many questions rolling around in my head. When you're talking about, this is interesting because I've actually thought about this before when I've listened to other actors and, you know, just anyone who's assuming a role in general is, you were talking about Horton as he is like another person, right? You're like, oh, Horton's great. You know, he does this and he actually interacts with people like this. And it fascinates me that actors have the ability to talk about the character or the role they're playing as a person or, you know, something outside of themselves. Because I don't understand that. Like you are also having to take that person and become that person. Is there something... You're taught in theater school or whatever about being able to, one, assume the role, but then two, talk about the role as as if it's, a, it's another person. You know what I mean? There, Does that make there sense? There are
2: actually a lot of different ideologies about this. Uh, there are some acting teachers who will slap you on the wrist, not literally, but um, uh, are not very happy when you refer to a character that you're playing as someone else. They would much oh, rather really? you say i am feeling this in those moments and different stuff um and horton it's a lot easier i mean that was i was 16 so that was a very long time (laughs) ago um and so it's a lot easier to separate uh i find myself falling in and out every once in a while of saying me or they or you know whatever um and that goes down to Yep, does it help
1: good. you? Does it help you like conceptualize the character or like decide how you're going to play the role? If you can kind of separate yourself from it and see them like, from a what's your process of like, like
0: immersion? Like, is yeah, I'm so fascinated. Your particular by it. one.
2: Yeah, those are also, of course, very different between people. You have people who take it as far as method acting, and then I think I fall actually very far on the other side, where I can be joking around and like talking to people backstage and then two seconds later be on stage and just be on as a different person like there are there are
0: Impressive.
2: I don't know it, it's just it's what comes naturally to me I've never been the kind of person um you do tons of different acting exercises in classes because people have very different ideas of what's going on and depending on who the instructor is you're going to be getting much different uh experiences I've had a lot of um Acting teachers in the past encouraged me to build out like full backstories for. Mm-hmm. No matter who your character is, you should know where they've come from and what was their childhood like, and what are they, um, what what were they thinking about three weeks ago? And I think some of that is applicable. I, I've never felt the need to take it quite that far.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I, what is much more important to me is getting a script and understanding how that character, uh, how the writers wanted them to be portrayed and whether or not I agree with that um, or like what kind of different spin I can put on it that feels more right to me I don't know Um, and you have to be conscious of that too and you have to be willing to change it on the fly like in the middle of an audition setting or something if you go up and you do one read and you don't really don't think the director liked what you were doing you have to be willing to show them a completely different version of the character that you just played Um, and that comes from their understanding too of hey this is an audition setting maybe this initial thing didn't work, but maybe there's something else that will, um, mm-hmm. that, sounds that stressful. can be difficult. I was going
0: to say, how do you tame? Like, do you keep like your self consciousness or like nerves down? Has that just been something that's kind of diffused over time? Do you still feel that way a lot when it's time to audition?
2: Yeah. I, I, I tell people a lot that, um, it definitely gets easier with time. Um, I'm a person I, I'm weird in the space. Uh most people still tend to get, um, Stage trite or nerves or whatever before a show. I don't tend to do that very much. I remember very specifically the first show I ever did. I played an orphan and Oliver. And the, the first time the curtain was coming up, I remember being backstage and like shaking and I could feel the energy. But as soon as I stepped yeah. on the stage, like I'd done this a million times. We'd rehearsed it over and over. I knew what I was doing. And then I transitioned to this very different feeling of like being like looking up and seeing that there were people out there and I could see the stage lights shining down. And like, I still have that moment in my head. Um, For most people, all of those nerves go away as soon as you step on stage. Like they- They They almost have to. I mean,
1: you can't hold on to them. It makes me think of, um, who's the climber, Garrett? Who- he he climbed um the face of the Alex Honnold. Yes, and he's like I've rehearsed and practiced each of these like little steps of the climb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like when he free climbs it, he like can't make mistakes he's, yeah, he's he's in w- the moment, but he's perfected it at that point.
0: Very present and at peace.
1: Yeah. That's
2: what yeah, that really. reminds me of Philip. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So there's there's definitely some aspect of that. Um I don't know. I just I tend not to get many nerves anymore. Um but I I mean, I've been doing it, what, 14 years, like most of my life at this point. Um, Does that
1: just make you like, how does that make you feel like knowing that like you started from this one point, but now you're 14 years into it? Like.
2: Oh, it's so awesome. The Uh, retrospection
1: of it, I guess.
2: Yeah. Just getting to look back. I'm glad I found it as early as I did um, because it's something that I've gotten to carry with me. And Again, I'm very big on self-improvement, so it's about, like, I can look back and we still have footage of me performing from... 2011, 2012, um, because shows that you'll do in community theaters will like let you buy a DVD, and so you'll have that, and it's terrible to watch. You never like, <laughs> I, I know very, very, very few people who like to watch themselves perform, even if it's something you did last week. Like, it mm-hmm. is just really hard to sit down just and, like, listening to our person.
0: own voices on this podcast. I'm it's just like, the worst,
2: oh. <laughs> right? But, but it's on a whole nother level, uh, because not only are you hearing your voice and seeing your own self, but you're watching as you try and embody someone else. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so I don't weird. know the, the, the criticism is really easy to say. start creeping in and you have to remind yourself like, no, I did a good job. I did a good job. You know, um, are you your
0: own worst critic? Just like,
2: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: Do you and, think and, and most creatives are their own worst critics?
2: I think that tends to be the case. Um, yeah. I, I try and use that as, as good of a thing as I can um, of, Again, just trying to get one percent better every day. Um
0: that's been a really fun thing too
2: that you mentioned about uh having done this as long as I have and being able to look back on it. Um, men's voices tend not to fully develop until they turn twenty five. Um and so I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I know Uh, about the
1: brain. Not men's voices though.
2: Yeah. And women I don't remember exactly because that was never obviously as um (laughs) Interesting to you. (laughs) I I haven't met a woman for a while, so... uh. Right. Um, It it just didn't apply to me, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, not only am I improving in my technique and the things that I'm learning um, and different ways to apply my voice, but it's still... I mean, I'm nearly finished, but it's still developing. It is still... I, I find myself going back and singing songs that I sang two or three years ago, and just they feel entirely different if I haven't touched something in a while it is so so fun to get my hands back on it because I remember like I've had several moments where I'm singing something and I'll let a note come out and be like that's what it was supposed to feel like the whole time like that I know that that is the feeling that was supposed to be there and I couldn't do it I just did not have the capability to do that Um,
1: how old are you Philip
2: I'm 24
1: oh you're way more mature than I. I would not have placed you at 24. That's crazy. Are you like excited to get to like 26 and like be like oh my voice is fully complete?
2: Yeah that's one of the I tend not to be a person who looks forward very much Um because again I'll, I'll figure it out when I get there. I don't yeah I don't see much reason to but yeah th- that aspect absolutely to finally be like okay it's all here we have all the tools <laughs> now what can I build? um
0: it's gonna say like because you can still train your voice for different things throughout your whole life can't you like it's a muscle
2: oh absolutely. Than, like, it, you're not it works, stuck just...
0: with what you have when you're 25 you can still train it to do and yeah. be different things
2: right that is just the first time again it's kind of the analogy i gave just a second ago is having all the tools for the first mm-hmm. time in my life i'm gonna have a complete set and i'm yeah. gonna be able to see what comes from that and that is super exciting to me uh it is it's the thing that brings me the most joy is singing. I could do it all day. I wish I could do it all day. You know, we have limitations. It's a muscle. You have to let it rest. You have to give it time. Um, but super, super fun to just kind of see how it continues to, uh, improve. And it's a lot of work. Like, I don't make it sound that way because it is the thing that brings me so much joy, but I mean, it is a constant. I am always, always, uh, in the car, on the way places, when I'm in the shower, every time I, uh, my senior year of high school, I got—I wanted to be able to riff really badly because I, I like was not very good at vocal runs or anything. Mm-hmm. And so every day for an entire year in the shower, I would get in and just work on vocal agility and trying to like get all of these little, I would listen to uh, runs that people had done and try and imitate them. And then if I could get it down, then I would try and add a note or two to make it a little tougher and just kind of work up that way. And I'm to the point where i can do that now and it's just uh it's really fun being driven to improve which is something that i very much am with this I'm, I'm not very good at getting better at things that i don't like to do i i don't have that level of discipline but if it's something that i like to do it is so exciting to go in and oh, i've been working on the song for so long and it's just not coming together the way i want and finally you get that time that it just comes out right and then you can hold on to that and keep it you know
0: I heard a fact. I don't, I think need fact, to... I don't oh, know if it ahead. was a fact, but like singing, especially singing in, in large groups or like in a choir is like, it's like a dopamine trigger
2: in humans.
1: Really? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me.
2: Yeah, I would believe it. Um, and that's a whole different aspect is singing in groups versus singing alone. And it depends on how big the group is. And I had to take choir for a year in uh, college, which I had never done. And a lot of the stuff that I knew about singing, they were like, no, nah, throw that out because you are looking for as pure a sound as possible. And like vibrato, for example, um, which for those uninitiated, is like when you're singing, um, instead of just being like a straight note, that's like, ah, it's when there's a little bit of ah, and it goes, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. back and forth, that kind of uh, rolling rotational sound. They don't like that um, because if everyone is doing it, everyone's voices are doing it at a different rate and it mm. muddies the sound. And so it was having to just fight that instinct that I've been doing my whole life. And yeah. your vowels are a lot more open. It's about having a uh, very specific kind of sound. and You need to make sure that you're saying the word the exact same way everybody else is at the same time, or you're going you lose clarity. And so that's a whole different Avenue. Uh, I don't know how those people do it. It, uh, <laughs> it was fun for a year, but I was very much ready to get back and have a little bit. Like getting even when
1: people you're, away from me. <laughs> uh,
2: even when you're uh, singing in an ensemble, right. in a musical you're, it, it, there's there tends not to be that level of like, and this is how you're going to do everything. as long as you're hitting your notes when you need to and stuff. Um, it's just a different kind of sound that you're aiming for um, mm-hmm. that allows for you to kind of transition the techniques I am more used to doing. Um, yeah, That that is all very interesting as well.
1: It doesn't surprise me at all that you find it, you have no interest in like developing other skills that you don't have interest in because it's obvious that you're passionate about singing. That's why you want to develop the skills. You know what I mean? Like I can't imagine wanting to develop a skill that- yeah, I don't think little... I've
0: ever met someone who's like, man, I really hate wood cutting. I'm gonna get better, but at I'm gonna it. get like, better. Yeah, at it. I'd Yeah, I've never met someone I think who's it done that. To your who's passion
1: that. of singing that you want to get better at it. You know, I think it speaks to a higher understanding of yourself and like what what you really care about and improving in yourself too.
2: Sure. Yeah. No. All of that is really great. And again, it just it it brought me into something um, that I wouldn't have gotten to experience otherwise, which was the whole acting side of it. And there's mm-hmm. that third pillar of dance which I tend to, I, I like to call myself in the industry, what is known as a great mover. I can move. I can do the choreography you give me, but I am not going to come out here and do six pirouette turns in a row. Like it's not going to happen. Um, that is kind of, that is the one aspect of theater. That's kind of a pill that I swallow. Like, okay, it lets me do all of this other stuff. And so I'm okay with it. Um, I'm
0: going to use that. Are you good at dancing? I'm a, I can, I'm a good mover. I'm a
2: good mover. I can
0: move. (laughs)
2: For sure. It's widely applicable. Um, Pull it out at weddings. People will respect the effort. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've learned really is the reason that I consider myself a good mover is because it's all about simple choreography is all about presentation and how you're trying to present yourself. And so I've learned, especially in dance calls, that if you put in a lot of energy and are matching the style that they're looking for, um choreographers will see that and be like okay I can work with this person they get where I'm going you know and then yeah. I, as long as you have everything down when you need to you don't have to be as technically proficient as somebody I mean I have all the respect in the world for dancers I've been taking dance classes since I was 13 years old because I it's a skill that I had to develop mm-hmm. they are on another level I I do not understand uh, I talk about discipline <laughs> the discipline that you need to have with your whole body um is crazy, um, and stretching every day several times a day, and the working on. Oh, I'm very, very slightly off kilter. I need to fix that. And then that is like, even just doing a turn completely upright and on your center is something that takes years to develop, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that you take for granted when you're just watching it, but so so much work we feel that Um. you're talking
0: to two ex-competitive cheerleaders whose (laughs) Uh, lives was eight counts in choreography and yeah yeah never you get the hustle forget i said it i don't want to think about it i don't want to think about it
1: but i do really appreciate your kind of viewpoint on it in the sense that you're a great mover you may not be like the you may not be like the best dancer in that thing but if you have great energy and you show them you're willing to try like that will that will take you far I mean I've coaches, noticed coachability, it like like that's a big thing
0: like at nightclubs if you see the people who like say they can't dance they're they're so shy about it they're so in their own head about looking stupid
2: mm-hmm. that like
0: the very like the actions of being shy of like dancing small within yourself is the problem. <laughs>
2: Right. It's about it's about finding your charisma and whatever way that looks like to you and playing to it and uh, putting yourself out there. People respond to people who put themselves out there and are confident. And even Mm -hmm. if you can fake it for a little bit, I don't know, it it goes a long way.
0: We went we went to we went to dancing a couple nights ago uh, with for a friend's birthday party and we do not go out at anymore like at all. Like we are like we're 27 years old, you know, and so and we don't drink either, so it was not fun. Um, Just kidding, <laughs> Ethan if, and Sarah, if you're listening, it was a good time. It was a little overwhelming, but I just want to say, I'm tooting my own horn, I didn't get the Justin Timberlake look-alike comments until I was on the dance floor. That's all I'm saying. You're a yeah.
1: great dancer. I'm a good It's because thinking. you do put, I'm a good member. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I do have one more question for you, Philip. When it comes to working with you know, directors and production and whatever. um, How far do you think you are willing to take it when it comes to like your opinions on the role or like what you should be doing or how you should, you know, move across the stage? Like, do you like to kind of push or do you have a lot of directors that just kind of want to tell you what to do? Like, what do you prefer?
0: I would like to piggyback off this question and combine it in (laughs) because this is my last question as well. Like, do you care to direct in the future at all? More so than being Ooh, on stage. Yeah.
1: but start with mine. Mine was more important. Answer both those <laughs> at the same time.
2: <laughs> okay, let's see. Now, um, as far as working with directors and stuff, the director at the end of the day is the person that everybody answers to that is their job that doesn't necessarily mean that they are better or more important than anybody else but their job is to bring everything together that is what they have been brought on to do yeah um you definitely want to have your own say in things and that um honestly i find the best time for that is in your auditions and your callbacks and your initial rehearsals before they really start like putting themselves in and giving creative input because early on it tends to be much more about and this is what we're doing and let's learn our lines and let's learn the music and, this and like is where play
1: and like figure it out yeah
2: yeah um and so that's your time to kind of show them your homework and you can have discussions about that uh mm. and exactly what you have in mind for the character um I love working with directors I am one of those people that I know for certain I am much much better with direction than I am without I can give you something and I think it'll be good, but if you can get another set of eyes on it, they can help you understand maybe things you didn't realize that you were doing or things you could lean harder into. Um
1: oh, that's such a good skill for you to have. Oh my gosh. Not a lot of people have that, you know.
2: Well, it's it's super important. That's uh we say all the time in this industry, like you know it speaks to you who, yes. your
0: humility a little bit because I mean how yeah. is
2: kind of it's a hard to be critiqued. Like,
1: people yeah. don't like it.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, again, I'm trying to be better. And if they have something in mind and they are also trying to make me better because that is what they're here to do, then I should at least hear them out. I'm not oh, saying I that, love that. Mm-hmm. every time I hear a piece of advice, I'm going to be like, actually, yeah, that's right. But it's another thing for me to think about or something that I hadn't considered probably. Mm-hmm. Um, And so that can be a big thing. And yeah, obviously, like, OK, well, the reason that I was doing this this way is because I was feeling in this moment that my character was and trying to conceal what was going on. And then that can spur a whole different conversation on like what the theme of the scene is about. And you may have done your homework on that, but they also have, that is their whole job is to to have a full understanding of a script and what is going on in it. Um, And it can even be times where you feel like you've made a really good acting decision, right? Like this makes a lot of sense, it's working, I'm giving everything I need to. And they're like, yeah, it was great it's not what the scene needs. It needs something else because you're thinking about your own journey, which is yeah. great. Mm-hmm. But I need you to have this response so that this person can feel this way so that it makes more sense going forward. And like, it, it, that's a whole... God, it's like a puzzle. Set of skills. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and then... You're, you're not talking about bringing in what the lighting is going to look like or what the set is going to do. Because a lot of the time you don't have the set until like a week before the show. And so you're doing things like there will be areas taped off on the ground of like, and this is where this riser is going to be. But until you can walk up onto the riser, like it's going to feel different. Um, mm-hmm. So there's some of that. Um, but yeah, no, that's another tool. That is, that is someone who is trying to help me do the best job that I can um
1: for that like specific production even you know Mm -hmm. right not even Um, like all you know it's just yeah that's I love how you look at that that's awesome
2: yeah uh, I don't know I just think it's important um and if they have put me in a role clearly they saw something that I'm doing right so I know that like I'm doing a good job, which can mm-hmm. be a hard thing to remind yourself of sometimes, especially like, I don't know. I just haven't gotten very much direction on this scene. I feel like I'm doing okay, but I, I don't know. Maybe they haven't said anything yet because they don't know how to fix it or um, it's something that you just, you that have to like constant
1: personal mind games. Oh my mm-hmm.
2: gosh. <laughs> That's kind of what it turns into is you have to be self-confident enough to go out there and be told no a million times over and over and still um
0: keep putting that same energy and effort out there
2: right and still humble enough to be able to listen to the people who are trying to make you better you have to find that middle ground and it's not always a middle ground sometimes you have to push too far in one direction and then pull back later Mm -hmm. um the best thing you can do before an audition is walk in and tell yourself that these people want me to succeed. They want me to be the right person. Every person who walks in the room, they want to be right.
0: They're like, God, um, I hope this, perfect, this person's perfect for it. I
2: really right. It's in
1: I everyone's am. best interest, yeah, to work together collaboratively.
2: And so it's some of that, you also just have to tell yourself that you're the greatest in the world at least for <laughs> five minutes while you're in the audition room. And then you can feel terrible about it after because you probably will because that's what happens. <laughs> um yeah <laughs> and then as far as directing myself um maybe at some point i i really like I, i've taken uh a couple classes where i have been put into that role um just through school and i really really like it, it was very like low level just you have two actors and a script and whatever props you can provide so i'm not worrying about lighting i'm not worrying about sound design or any of it um but I really like, I have found working with other actors and having those conversations from the other side, uh, trying to figure out, okay, uh, I really, really like what you're doing here. Maybe just to see what happens this time. Um, Pretend that this line right here, don't declare that to everybody. That's a secret to this person, you know, and see how that changes things. And then maybe you decide you hate it, but actually the way that this person delivered their line after that because of the way that you changed it, worked really well. So let's keep that delivery with the initial declaration, you know? And Mm -hmm. it it can just be a a way of discovery. Um, Yeah, maybe sometime down the line. I've tried to stay in my lane as a performer. Um, There are a lot of people who like, oh, okay, so you perform, all of these places are like dinner theaters, right? So have you ever thought about serving there? And I'm like, absolutely not. I don't ever want for a second to for someone to look at me and be like, okay, I could put him in my show, but we're kind of short-staffed right now. I have something else that I can use him <laughs> He's for. He's also
0: a good server, so we'll put him, we'll put him on right. the serving I, floor. I don't
2: ever want that to be an option because performing is what I want to do. Like, I've been given mm-hmm. opportunities to like, hey, do you want to come on and do some... Or like learn some lighting from us and i'm like i'll learn but i'm not going to like i i I don't want to be proficient enough at anything else that i'm the person that they would go to for that because that's taking time away from me being on stage Um,
1: oh you're so driven fuck i'm like oh i love it (laughs)
2: it's cool i don't know it's a it's a little I don't know, cutthroat almost. I'm like, no, I'm not going to help you with this thing that you need because it's going to, but you, you've you got to be because I know a lot of people who wanted to be performers, wanted to be performers, wanted to be performers oh God, and then suck. signed up to do something else and are still doing that 20 years later and are very mm-hmm. happy with that. But I, that's, that's not what I want. I know that all of the administrative stuff and any like, oh, we need to get this. And that is not what brings me joy. What brings me joy is being on stage and doing the thing. And so I don't want that to be a thought in anyone's mind.
1: That's awesome. This is awesome. I can't believe an hour has gone by. I know
2: I we're kind like of we already up. So
1: many questions that you so quickly, and you kept up, man.
2: Oh, to say I'm good at talking. <laughs> <what I> <laughs>
0: Thanks for joining us this week. Oh, we're still going to keep... Do
1: you have any, like, shows coming up, like, that you can highlight? Or is there anything going on in your life that you want to, like, let people know about? This isn't going to come out for probably, like, a month, but...
2: (laughs) You're good. So, uh, by the time this comes out, then, we should be very close to... Oh, no. I will be beginning rehearsals for Dreamgirls with the Crown Arts Collaborative. I'm in the ensemble of that. I'm really excited. Um, Ensemble tracks are such a different beast, uh, and it's just really fun to, like dive in and be part of a group Um, and then after that i will be at the mosley street melodrama here in wichita for their halloween show i think that opens mid-september and runs through the end of october uh i'm really excited about that and then we will see what else is on the horizon
1: Thank you so yeah. much for coming on this podcast you were incredible i learned so much mm-hmm. and i kind of very insightful that I don't live in wichita anymore and i can't come to some i can't come to some of these shows when i come and visit we'll have to go do something garrett we'll awesome. yeah there's always we should. i mean
2: mm-hmm. wherever you can support it it's nice to get out and just see and i think it's something that uh people don't think about super often yeah uh, i'm just great yeah i was super glad to be on thanks for having.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm, I don't know when you see Garrett next, but it was really nice to meet you and have a good rest of your Monday. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: nice chatting with you. You as well. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, Bye. Philip. That was a good one. That was a that good was awesome. one. Yep.
1: He's awesome. So you met him through the Belmont, through Ellie, yep. kind of. Yep. And that, yeah. I wonder if he knows like Nick Reese. We should ask him.
0: Well I, well, I first consider when we were first trying to think of guests and everything. I thought of Nicholas Reese. Shout out if you're listening. We should have uh, him on. We have should. Him and like then I was like, Cuba "Well, Phillips, and... right here. I got Philip right here."
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. The no, that was good. Me. He's uh, I love his kind of philosophy on. I know exactly what I want out of what I'm doing, and I'm not going to yeah. alter like, that for like anyone.
0: I'm envious of that. He's like, "This is what I want to do." so I'm gonna do it to my fullest extent I'm like god how do you know what you want to do man that's fucking crazy to me
1: <laughs> some people that's... man they just they have it they know Ugh. It's it was it's like never that... a question
0: yeah that's crazy
1: but as we've maybe talked it's... about before maybe that just isn't for us maybe we aren't meant to know exactly what we want to do maybe we're meant to Cause... spend our whole lives exploring everything
0: <laughs> we're just explorers man yeah not to
1: make this back about us but yeah it is well (laughs) it is our podcast get (laughs) fucked everyone (laughs)
0: all
1: right thank you again for joining us this week and um check out philip's shit
0: yeah catch us wednesday for a new episode love y'all
1: bye